Hey, BSN listeners, we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. StravaCraft Coffee is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to you, our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Jokic dribbles behind his back. Gary Harris, he goes baseline, reverse side, layup off the window and down with that English spin move again. Rebound comes down to Jokic in the front court. Beasley's got an alley-oop. Dunk! Two hands! Jamal Murray Parton dumped it all. Joker put it back up and in! Murray for three! Yeah! This thing is over! Balling like we Jokic, Jokic, Welcome into the BSN Nuggets podcast. I am Andre Simone, once again guest hosting for Harrison Wind, who will be back from vacation here shortly, or just in time for the FIBA World Cup to start off and for us to talk about the big three Nuggets involved in that. We are also recapping the drafts through Tim Conley and his tenure as GM, how he turned this franchise around. How there might have been some missed opportunities. Doing that some more. Catching you up on Juancho and Spain's latest exhibition game in preparation for the World Cup that starts August 31st. Before that, though, I got to remind you, our presenting sponsor, Total Beverage, delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered. Cheers. All right. Well, we kind of pick up from where we left off on yesterday's jam-packed pod. Not a whole weekend's worth of action to summarize, but Plumlee's done. U.S. is done with the exhibition game prep for the World Cup. Serbia, same thing. Really, Spain and Juancho were the last team. We kind of uh, hinted to the fact that we'd be talking about that today, yesterday. And um, Spain ended up winning 84-76. to Marcus All was out in this one. Seemed like he had some stomach issues. Ricky Rubio really led the way. Scored a career high for his national team with 25 points. Uh, you know, this isn't the Manu Ginobili, Luis Scola, um, Nocioni, all those guys, those great Argentina teams from back in the early 2000s. But this is still a tough team. Scola's still there and kicking. He went off for over 20. Um, so this was a tough opponent for Spain. It was a nice final tune-up in China. All the squads are in China now. Got to say, though, Juancho did not stand out in this one. He ended the game with just four points. It felt like without Gasol's passing, with Rubio having to be more assertive, those two, the the primary playmakers for that starting lineup that Juancho is a key cog in, probably the third most important player on that entire team, both offensively and defensively, just didn't shine, didn't stand out. Um, seemed a bit lost, frankly. Um, so, you know, and it was emblematic of some of the struggles that Juancho's had 
as a nugget, being a little lackadaisical, maybe not as assertive as he could be on either end of the floor. Uh, got a little outmuscled on the rebounds. Um, so just not the kind of performance you want to see. His brother Willie outshined him uh, with 14 and going fo- off for 14 and 9. Victor Claver. Big player for Spain, another combo forward that's going to play big minutes for them, though certainly not as important as Juancho, also outside Juancho. Um, The biggest takeaway was that he kind of struggled on defense. Uh, He struggled to defend on the ball, looked a a bit lost and a bit slow on the switches. Uh, Former Hawk and Mav, Nicholas Brusino, gave him trouble guarding out on the perimeter. Real Madrid player Deck also gave him trouble. So just not the best game for Juancho on either end of the floor. Uh, You know, turned over the ball sloppily. So not too much to read into this final friendly game. But it did seem like it mattered to Spain. It did seem like, you know, Scariolo, their coach, was trying to get those rotations set in stone a bit more, get everyone on the same page. Without Gasol, they had to overcome some stuff. And Juancho's one of those guys... They would look to step up and make a difference. And he didn't exactly do that. So that was disappointing. Doesn't take away what I was saying yesterday about how he's important, how this should be a really, a potentially a breakout type of tournament for Juancho this, uh, this summer and I think could lead to some big things. Who knows, maybe even up his trade value if he can't get those rotation minutes that uh, his talent maybe warrants. So we got to see. But games like this are a reason why Juancho hasn't really broken into that rotation because he can can have off games where, uh, you know, he did hit an open three. He did have somewhat of an impact, but just not getting to the rack enough. Uh, You know, at this level of competition, Juancho definitely can attack closeouts, can get to the rim, can do some dribble drives, can have more of an impact as a rebounder, uh, and should be more of a standout defender. Um, you know, Argentina certainly has some talent. Those those two guys, those two wings that gave him trouble, Rusino and Deck, very talented. Um, you know, board fringe NBA type players. But Juancho should take him to the woodshed. He should really lock those guys down. He shouldn't look lackadaisical and like the one guy on defense that's slow on the rotations and allowing. Argentina to get open shots or, you know, be able to dribble drive by him because he's a step slow rotating and um, kicking out to defend the perimeter and contest shots out at the three-point line. So lots of stuff to clean up. Luckily, this was probably his worst game of the summer in these exhibition games. It all starts on the 31st. So excited for that. Now we're going to pick up where we left off. We're looking at Tim Conley, the the drafts in the Tim Conley era, 2013 to present. And we started off with maybe his worst draft and easily his best draft. Probably, I think, not even probably, without argument, the best draft in Nuggets history where they got Nikola Jokic and were also able to trade down from the 11th pick, flipping Doug McDermott's rights for Gary Harris and Yusef Nurkic. So that was, uh, you know, kind of the the ups and downs of the first couple years of Tim Conley as a GM and draft Nick. I didn't mention, you know, the the thing about that Gorbear pick, 
that kind of sticks out to you is that's Conley's bread and butter. That's this front office's bread and butter is scouting international guys, scouting European guys. And the fact that they missed so badly on Gobert um, really stood out. Though I think I'm going to revise that. I give it an F minus, that 2013 draft. In retrospect, maybe too harsh. They did get, you know, in the in the later rounds, in the second round, they were able to get an NBA player that's stuck in the league and Jeff Lee Laverne. So maybe just uh, upgraded to just an F. Uh, with that, though, we are going to pick up where we left off Yesterday, we stopped at the 2015 draft where, of course, Emmanuel Moutier was selected seventh overall, the first top 10 pick the Nuggets had had, dating all the way back from the Carmelo Anthony days in 2003. So we're going to start from there. We left off in 2015. We're picking it back up in 2016, and we're going to do that on the other side of this break. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in, ha in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. I am your host, Andre Simone, here on this lovely Wednesday when you hear this. Before we start off and revisit these drafts, it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer, BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer, established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling it a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. Look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also check out our event calendar at bsndenver.com. You'll find all our different events through the year there, so that can keep you posted. We'll be drinking Breckenridge beer at all of those. That's going to be a ton of fun. That brings me to my next point, bsndenver.com. Subscribe. You only have till the end of August to use codes BroncosCamp or SCOBUFFS, S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S, or Go Rams to get a discounted subscription, a free T-shirt, all our great Nuggets co content, and so much more. 
It's never been a better time to subscribe. We have big things coming, so jump on that while you still can and get $10 off for a year subscription. comes out to less than 3 bucks a month, so it's really a steal, which leads me to, uh, to our draft talk because, well, 2014 was huge for the Nuggets and finding Jokic and, I mean, Gary Harris as well and even Nurkic that they flipped. 2016 was that other draft in the Tim Conley era that really set the foundation for what this franchise is now. Without 14 and 16, this team never wins 54 wins last season, and the future would never look as bright as it does. In those two drafts, they basically assembled their entire young core because in 2016, with the seventh overall pick, they select Jamal Murray the sharpshooter out of Kentucky, who, of course, just got a max extension, which is the ultimate proof of what a great selection that was. As if that wasn't enough, the Nuggets found two other quality picks in the first round. Juancho Aaron Gomez going 15th overall. Malik Beasley going 19th overall. That was truly a steal with how... I mean, how the league has gone towards, you know, valuing wings and shooters. Uh, Beasley, the sky's the limit for him. I think it allows them a lot of flexibility. He's probably, you know, outside of that core three the Nuggets have in Jokic, Murray, and Harris. He's the one of the more appealing assets on this team that could allow them to go after a Bradley Beal or, you know, make a splashy trade down the road. If that's the case, having someone like Beasley is huge. What's interesting is they selected Murray, a pick after Buddy Heal, which in retrospect doesn't seem like as bad of a pick by the the Pelicans, who of course then flipped them and now healed, is with the Kings and carving out a decent career. The conversation da- draft was really Dragon Bender, Murray, Marquise Chris, and boy, did the Nuggets luck out. They didn't get one of those two big men who absolutely flopped. Um, two of the worst lottery picks of the last several years. Uh, Domitus Sabonis did go a few picks after at 11th overall. That, of course, a very nice selection by OKC at the time, who then flipped him for Paul George, and he's carving out a nice career for himself in Indiana. What's really interesting, though, is what happened immediately after the Malik Beasley pick. Karis LeVert, who just got a nice extension, was the 20th pick, so one selection after. Uh, Ante Zizic was in 23rd overall. Pascal Siakam, 27th overall in that draft. And DeJounte Murray, 29th. So there was some talent at the end of that draft. Obviously, Siakam, the best of all those players, you know, had the Nuggets come away with Siakam and Beasley and Murray. That draft is even more of a slam dunk, um, but you can't have everything in life. I think this still has to be an A-level draft with how everything worked out. I mean, again, they built the, the entire foundation for this franchise was established with that 2016 draft after the 2014 draft. Peter Cornelier, the French center, in some ways following that Rudy Gobert um, mold as a prospect, not just because he was French, but, you know, long, lengthy, center, high upside, 
not much else to build on. Uh, that pick didn't work out, but the other three did at various levels with Murray obviously being the key pick. And it's crazy how just two picks and Murray and Jokic last year, they were able to ride those two guys uh, to having that phenomenal s season that led them to the second seed in the West. So that is another A-plus draft for Tim Conley. That's two right there, and I think there's no debate about that. Interesting, though, when next draft we're going to talk about, 2017, whew, gets a little trickier because that's really where the Nuggets had a bottom lottery pick, 13th overall. It looked like they had a lot of options, could really set themselves up nicely. I wanted OG Ananobi badly, easy to say now, but I, I did do a draft podcast on the same network where I said that repeatedly. I was also very intrigued by John Collins the bouncy Wake Forest power forward, who, in retrospect, I wonder how he would have fit with the Nuggets. He, um, I think him and Jokic can make it work, though really Collins in some sense is almost best as a small ball five, so that wouldn't have been the most natural transition. And Anobi, of course, is a supernatural fit. Um, that, interesting how both Anobi and Siakam would have been available. And former Nuggets GM, Masai Ujiri, was able to snatch both those guys up. But sadly, the Nuggets, they trade away Donovan Mitchell, another of those picks. I mean, it's amazing that Tim Conley has drafted not just the young core for the Nuggets' amazing team, but basically the young core for the Jazz team between Mitchell and Gobert. Trade away that pick. Harrison's repeatedly told me, uh, you know, regardless of how you look at that draft, Mitchell was never a guy they were really targeting. So it's kind of a moot point. They they drafted him purely for uh, the the Jazz there. So there's no... He, he never would have been a nugget. Just wasn't a guy they were really targeting. They flip him to trade down and get Trey Lyles, who, of course, hasn't worked out and played his last season in Denver last year. Guys who were still on the board, though, even if they didn't like Mitchell, Bama DeBio, who, again, doesn't necessarily fit what the Nuggets would have wanted. TJ Leaf, meh, I suppose. John Collins, yeah. Harry Giles, yep. Terrence Ferguson, yeah. Jarrett Allen, who I think's turned into a fine pro. And Anobi, we just mentioned, at 24th overall, the Nuggets, after trading down with the Jazz, take Tyler Lydon, a couple picks ahead of guys like Kyle Kuzma, Derek White, even Josh Hart. Uh, so that one stings, just the, the trade and who you missed out on. Jordan Bell was also selected at 38th overall. Um, so yeah, didn't quite work out. It's interesting, Leiden seemed to fit a mold of players they have gone after since, though. He was... You know, at Syracuse in that 2-3 zone, he would play in the middle kind of as that shot blocker, rim protector, and had a nice offensive skill set with a nice shot. And they've looked for guys since then who can hit open threes and make an impact as shot blockers, which makes sense. You want a guy who can space the floor on offense to give Jokic more room to operate in. And on defense, a guy who's maybe a little more athletic and can be a bit more of a rim protector to protect Jokic down low. 
it didn't work out with Leiden. Hopefully it works out with Bull Bull, who we'll talk much more in depth in a little bit. And I think that's exactly what they the kind of skill set they were targeting with Jeremy Grant, who clearly is different from his uh, fellow Syracuse brethren in Leiden. But, I mean, those are two skill sets that they share in common. Grant, obviously, much better athlete, much more switchable, much better shot blocker. But I think it's interesting how it worked out that way. Um, but forever that draft will be known as a draft in which the Nuggets once again gifted a foundational piece to the Utah Jazz for, I mean, absolutely nothing. Uh, just a few years later, that trade looks terrible. Outside of Rudy Gobert, I think it's easily the worst trade Conley's made as a general manager in Denver. Saves himself, though, in the second round by taking Vlatko, who should be a better prospect than Leiden already. Uh, <laughs> I think he's got a better chance at making the NFL, uh, the NBA roster for those guys. Really fits in. I was talking about yesterday how Conley's gone back and forth, and maybe the Gobert pick uh, forced him to have to look at measurables and gamble on upside a little more than he was prone to doing at the beginning of his uh, tenure as a GM. But these two second-round picks fit that mold of what he's had success with, guys who can pass, dribble, shoot. Chanchar certainly is that. Monty Morris certainly is that. Uh, just one of the better, most efficient backup point guards in the league. Really excited to see what Morris can do in year two. I've been back and forth with this grade. I think you can make an argument for a C+. Plus. I think you could make an argument for a C minus. You could even convince me that it's a D draft with how bad that trade was. Look, ultimately, they traded down. They gambled that maybe someone like Ananobi or John Collins would be there. I listed off all the players that were taken right before then. It was a really intriguing draft for those picks. It didn't work out. Sometimes when you trade down like that, you're going to get burned. But trading down usually can be a good idea. We saw it with the Doug McDermott trade down in uh, the year that 2014 draft that was proved so pivotal. And the Nuggets still got something out of it in the second round. Two potential rotation players, um, Monte Morris, um, an important member of their young core, I'd say. So I think this ultimately comes out to a C. Uh, you know, the 13th overall pick. There's only so much you can expect out of it. They gambled and they lost. I think they thought, you know, Trey Lyles never quite proved to be who they thought that he'd be, but still got two fine rotational players out of that. So that's where we're going to end that segment. We're going to come back, look at two drafts that it's way too early to evaluate right now, but look at kind of what could be the importance of those two draft classes uh, our immediate reactions with a year after in 2018, uh, how 2019 could come out, revisiting that Fareed trade where they traded away their pick and kind of summarizing what the final report card is for Tim Conley as a drafting GM over his uh, Nuggets tenure, as mentioned. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you that you can find some great T-shirts and great gear at bsndenvermerch.com. You'll find the Jokic card t-shirt, our BSN Nuggets t-shirt. The t-shirt I'm rocking today 
is the Rainbow Skyline Die Hard, which I love. If you're listening to this podcast and are enjoying the the breakdowns on uh, international exhibition games and friendlies, uh, you are definitely a die hard and deserve one of these t-shirts. Check those out. As I mentioned, if you subscribe to BSN Denver and you still have just a few days left to use our codes to do so, you'll get a free t-shirt with that and a discount. Even if you miss out, you're still getting a free t-shirt with every subscription. So check that out. We'll be right back on the other side to talk about the 2018 and 2019 draft. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. And welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm Andre Simone, guest hosting once again in place of the irreplaceable Harrison Wynn. But I've had a blast. Thank you guys for listening. All right, we are getting back to regrading every draft from the Tim Conley era. 2018 is what's next. This was an interesting one. Our guys did a ton of film analysis on all the potential prospects for the Nuggets at 14th overall. We talked about guys like Troy Brown, Zaire Smith, who went two picks after the Nuggets' 14th pick, the Bridge Eye, Mikel, and Miles. I still remain uh, high on Miles. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was drafted 11th overall. I don't know that he was ever truly in the mix, there was some chatter about maybe Kevin Knox will be around, Lonnie Walker, but the pick that caught everyone off guard, I don't think many people expect, expected Michael Porter Jr. to drop much further than the 7th or 8th pick with the where the Bulls and Cleveland Cavaliers were drafting. Even the ninth pick for the Knicks seemed to be a logical spot. And geez, the 10th pick, if... Uh, if good old Hanky was still there in Philadelphia, I think he definitely takes a shot on Michael Porter Jr. Instead, a consensus top two prospect in the class coming into the season, Michael Porter Jr., who missed his entire freshman year at Missouri. I mean, truly not the entire because he played in those friendlies right before the season started against Kansas, looked fairly impressive, played in the SEC tournament right at the end of the year, where he, I mean, he he had an impact but looked like a shell of himself athletically. Uh, he just looked like a long guy that can shoot. Um, all that all that ability to create a shot off the bounce, his bounciness in general, uh, 
you know, his ability to run up and down the court and be a be a factor on finishing alley oops and finishing at the rim and being a factor on the offensive board and even a bit of a low post game. All of that was sapped from him in the SEC tournament. And Michael Porter Jr. just kept dropping and Conley and his staff said, you know what, we're going to take a shot here. And I wonder how much missing on high upside guys like the Rudy Gobert's and the Donovan Mitchell affect a pick like that where you say, YOLO, let's go for it. And I mean, that was a crucial year for the entire front office. Obviously, it doesn't feel like it anymore because after that year, even with Michael Porter Jr. not playing a single minute for the Nuggets, they had a phenomenal season. Conley and Michael Malone's um, you know, standings with the franchise couldn't be more solid right now. At the time... It seemed like a risk. It seemed like those guys, you know, were only going to have so many more shots. And they take this big gamble on MPJ and we're hoping it plays out. Obviously, um, hasn't been healthy yet, but people still are incredibly high on him in, in the NBA world at large within the Nuggets organization. Everyone just thinks if he can stay healthy, this could be that third superstar. This could turn the Nuggets into an absolutely undefendable offensive juggernaut with that size and shooting on the wing combined with, you know, Jokic's ability to be that point center and Murray's shooting ability and ability to create his own shot and what have you. So we'll see. This will be a big, big year for, for MPJ. I still think they, I think a year after you're not exactly kicking yourself for having passed on Zaire Smith or Troy Brown, Kevin Herter, who went to Atlanta at 19, maybe more intriguing. Josh Okogie, who I believe the guys had done a film room on at 20th, maybe another guy who he's saying, eh, yeah, we maybe should have considered him. Uh, though, again, I mean, that's a huge drop-off. These were not lottery talents, necessarily. Uh, Anthony Simons, maybe the other pick at the end of that draft. That stands out to me, just because I know he's, in some ways, Portland's version of MPJ, a guy that they're high on and really counting on being a big part of what can add to their team internal growth-wise. They're able to select Jared Vanderbilt in the second round. I thought that was a phenomenal selection. Another highly touted high school recruit, maybe not at the level of MPJ, but still in that realm. Uh, versatile defender, all, was always impressed by his switchability for a big, and the fact that he can create a little. His IQ and passing ability fits with this Nuggets team. And another guy who in a front court pairing with Jokic can they can complement each other because Vanderbilt will play well off the ball. Uh, he can rebound, he can run the floor, he can switch on defense. And I think even in a back court in a front court with Plumley, he can fit nicely uh, because of Plumley's high IQ. And then at the very end of the second round, they take Thomas Welsh, who uh, I guess kind of fits that Leiden <laughs> mold of shot blocker shooter though not quite uh, never seemed to have that nba athleticism they saw stretch five potential 
in him and a guy who could tr- contribute as a rebounder. It wasn't meant to be, but low low risk pick there. I'd say you know it's it's still a, a class that completely needs to be evaluated. But even in retrospect, that MPJ uh, rolling the dice on that, I think that's only looked like a smarter move now than it did a year ago because none of the guys after him have really come back to bite you. Obviously it's still early, but that's encouraging. And people have just been, you know, with him being in the organization for over a year, I think we've seen more encouraging signs than not recoveries more or less gone. Well, aside from that one setback that kept him out of summer league, but again, seems to be a minor setback. Everyone's very encouraged by how well he's played, uh, how well he looks, and the fact that, you know, the sky's the limit. It's just a matter of getting him on the court and keeping him healthy. And hopefully he can be that Ben Simmons type or Joel Embiid type who is just going to take a while. But when he finally does get healthy, he's going to be everything that was promised. I think I like the value they got with Vanderbilt. Um, his summer league was up and down, maybe on the slightly disappointing side from how I saw it. Just because I was hoping for a little more. Um, I was hoping for him to take over a little more offensively, though that's not his game, and stand out a bit more as a defender and rebounder. But that's okay. It's still it's still early. I think the the signs I've seen are encouraging. He fits in well. I think at this point it's a B draft with the potential to go way higher than that. And if at least one out of Vanderbilt or MPJ can contribute in your, your rotation, it's the last time the Nuggets will be drafting in the lottery for a while. I think you got to be encouraged. So, And then we go to 2019, where the Nuggets didn't have a first-round pick. We're drafting way down in the first round because they had that unbelievable season. 27th overall is where their pick would have been. So only three teams drafted in front of them. The Golden State Warriors, Jordan Poole, San Antonio Spurs, who took Keldon Johnson, and the Milwaukee Bucks, who eventually traded that pick to uh, the Cavs for Kevin Porter Jr. Those three guys are intriguing, actually, especially Johnson and Porter Jr. Um, But in the end, I think the Nuggets are proven right that that trade was pretty smart. That pick, you know, they were able to unload Fareed and Daryl Arthur to the Brooklyn Nets for that first rounder. It turns out into Mifondu Kegembele, the center out of Florida State, a guy who kind of a switchable athletic center. I think Loki might be able to develop his shot a little bit. What's interesting is um, the Nets flip that pick to the Clippers and the Clippers really have no centers. It's him and Zizic. So in these, what could be a playoff series or some important matchups during the season of the Clippers and Nuggets, two of the favorites to be the one seed in the West, uh, that pick <laughs> might end up being kind of a guy that has to get a, a decent amount of minutes to try and defend Jokic and spoiler alert, I don't think it'll go well for the Florida State prospect. And then despite not having their first rounder, despite having a great season that put them in the bottom third of the first round, somehow the Nuggets still come away with Bull Bull in that draft, who fits that mold of that, you know, shooter and rim protector that I was talking about with Leiden and Jeremy Grant. 
the upside is out of this world. To some extent, maybe a higher upside even than MPJ. Uh, and look, it goes beyond what he did in high school. Sure, he was highly touted in high school. He was seen as a top 10 prospect for sure, right on the fringe of being a top five prospect. What's funny is he was probably ranked higher, not even probably, by most, almost at, at a consensus coming into the season, Bulbul was almost certainly ranked higher than Zion Williamson, who people really had doubts about. And then Bulbul goes out in the first 10 games at Oregon. His PER was off the charts. His numbers were out of this world. What he did with Oregon was insanely impressive. And I know some people have said, ah, that defense wasn't great. You saw stretches of where he could take over defensively. But offensively is where he really impressed me because I think he became stronger um, in creating his own shot, asserting himself on offense, dribble drives, that kind of thing, not always settling for shots, which is something he had a bad habit of doing in high school. Obviously, he's not perfect. That's still an area he needs to work on. I thought he became a bit more physical under the hoop. Um a bit more assertive on offense and as a rebounder, a bit better in guarding out on the perimeter, uh, switchability, which is intriguing. You know, he'll never be a guy that can switch on everything, but I think could be within the realm of a Rudy Gobert where he can switch a decent amount um, and not get hurt unless it's true against truly elite offensive teams like the Golden State Warriors or Houston Rockets, which... Hey, that's the case for everyone. But that draft, I, I don't even care if Bobo works out. How that all panned out, grading, taking into account that trade, taking into account the upside and like basically no downside of having selected Bobo in round two and moving up to get him from Miami for cash considerations in a future second, that's going to be an A draft no matter what. No matter anything with how that works out so that's the third a in the mix to summarize 2013 was an f we've uh we've regraded that from the f minus that i gave it yesterday 2014 is an a plus 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 there weren't enough pluses to put on my notes for that 2015 the moodier draft it's in that low c high d range 2016 which we went over today has to be A-plus as well. Foundational draft with Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez. 2017, it's a C. It might be a C-minus. It might be a D-plus. We'll see. I also wonder how much, you know, what the what the ultimate ceiling for Donovan Mitchell is. That will determine this as well. Because if he becomes, like, the third greatest Utah Jazz of all time, then, yeah, this is probably more of an F than a C. If he becomes kind of the guy that he is now and he plateaus at that level, then yeah, the C seems warranted, especially if Monty Morris can keep being uh, what he is and maybe get more minutes and just keep being one of the better backup point guards and most efficient guards, starters or backups in the entire NBA. Uh, a C seems like a fair grade. 2018, it's in that B range. MPJ could really push that up. Jared Vanderbilt, we'll see what they can get. But that draft class should already prove to be um, key in this next season. And no matter what, 2019, it's an A draft. I'm locking it in already today, right now. Boy, that's going to do it for us. 
that is part two of grading every draft for the Tim Conley era. That was a that was a fun exercise. I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Uh, we will be back next week. No, no, tomorrow, not next week. I'm sorry, my uh, Brandon Spanner, our boss, was just passing by, laughing at me on that one. Uh, before we go, I want to let you know, as you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare. When you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, that's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. You're going to do it anyways. You're going to get all that all that cleaning stuff at the dentist. Might as well go to Green Mountain Dental, get a free Sonicare today. That'll do it for the BSN Nuggets podcast today. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.